0: The comments, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely individual to the speakers and do not express the views or opinions of Thompson-Coburn LLP or his partners and attorneys. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered legal advice. The transmission of information on this
1: podcast is not intended to establish and receipt of such information does not establish or constitute an attorney-client relationship. The choice of a lawyer is an
0: important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Welcome once again to After the Buzzer. Since the last time we visited and Tom McMillan was our guest, we spoke of the challenges facing big-time college athletics. We will continue to explore that in the future, especially as we just passed the one-year mark for the name, image, and likeness uh, scenarios. But today, we are looking at one of the biggest stories in the professional sports and that is the launch of the new golf tour, the LIV Tour, which is being spearheaded by golf great Greg Norman. LIV has taken on the PGA and has attracted several of the world's top golfers, including Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, and longtime golf favorites, Sergio Garcia and Phil Mickelson. In the middle of this launch is well-known sports attorney, David Cornwell. This is the second time David has been a guest on After the Buzzer. The first time we discussed David's career as a player advocate, where he represented several prominent players. I have known David for at least 25 years, and I am positive this new golf venture has got his motor running. David has a long sports career. After graduating from Georgetown Law School, he went into private practice before he was recruited to the NFL as assistant counsel and director of equal employment. Lee Steinberg, also a previous guest on After the Buzzer, before going to upper deck. After a really noteworthy stretch representing athletes confronting crisis moments, David went to work with the now defunct Alliance of American Football. Currently, through his connection with Dustin Johnson, David has been working closely with several golfers as he look into opportunities presented by the LIV Tour. In my opinion, this story is one of the biggest professional sports stories of the year, if not years to come. It is my pleasure to welcome David Cornwell to after the buzzer again. Hey, Bob.
1: It's my pleasure to, to join you.
0: You're doing well? We were just uh, off the air, we were just talking about your kind of love for golf, and uh, you've been playing a lot lately?
1: I have been. And, you know, the most amazing thing about this project uh, is that people don't think playing golf is a bad thing. Um, You know, uh, I got to play in the uh, Pro-Am for uh, the Saudi International this year in February. In Saudi Arabia, I played in the Pro-Am with Phil Mickelson. And, you know, golf is just part of the lifestyle. And as you mentioned, I'm addicted. So this this project doesn't even feel like work.
0: So when you play golf for fun now, I mean, you always hear people's in fact i heard nick saban being interviewed yesterday on tv and he says you know i play golf and i lose a lot of money so when you play golf for fun and i'm not good enough to do it myself do you have a little wages on the side
1: it depends you know i'm i've got some deficiencies uh wh- one of my buddies says it, it's because i played point guard but if you look on uh, golf telecast. Sometimes you'll see a camera or um, the fan standing behind the tee box or standing behind a a player on on the fairway. What what isn't clear though is how far back uh, those people are actually from the golfer. If you look though on the tee box where the other golfers stand, they actually stand in uh, in front of facing the golfer who who has the tee box. So I can't hit hit a golf ball with somebody standing right behind me. And 99.9% of amateurs, that's the spot they gravitate to, where somebody else is hitting the golf ball. They stand behind the person to watch their ball because in my backswing my eye catches that person I don't see him when I when I'm setting up for my shot but my eye catches that person in my backswing 100% of the time I shorten my backswing and don't hit a good ball and the other thing is movement for some reason amateurs think they get extra points maybe a ribbon if they stand close to their ball even if doing so obstructs the golfer who's playing golf etiquette says clearly you're not to stand behind a golfer or behind the golf the ball the hole at any time yet when you mention that to somebody you know 89 percent of them want to either argue or make some comment about your field of vision so instead of moving they think they're capable of determining what you should see and i'm not willing to have that conversation if we're going to play golf by the rules of golf yeah i'll bet but if we aren't i'm not going to take a stroke because somebody else breaches the etiquette and i'd rather not have the discussion so it depends but you know the true the true nature of the golf competition is the golfer competing against the course and not the other golfers in his group. So you have four people in individual matches against the course and at the end of it you just count it up and see who did better and that's who wins the bet. But again amateurs for some reason think you're competing against each other and you know get involved in the type of chatter you might find in a 1 on 1 basketball game and again that's not Golf to me, so if if that happens, I I will just bow out of the debts Just play. But I've I've won a right, bunch of it. trophies with my with my golf group, so I can play.
0: And your handicap is a what? Is it...
1: Well, when you something you... <laughs> <assumption, laughs> I'll say I'm a nine, but it's, I'm a fourteen. <laughs> the more you play, the better you get, just
0: like anything else. The...
1: Not at all. I don't think there's anything that I've ever done in my life where, uh, you know, the, there's a closer connection between your mind and your physical execution. You can't fool the golf ball. If you're not confident about your swing, the golf ball will let you know it. And I just finished a motorhome trip with my uh, daughter, grandson, brother, and niece. And so I didn't play for about four or five days. I wasn't playing particularly well be- before we left. And uh, I played earlier this week and hit balls yesterday, and I'm playing much better, so the time off helped.
0: Yeah, I, I, when I used to play basketball, I said, you know, the first time I came back from playing, I usually, that was usually the best I played, and then I went back to being myself. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the LIV Tour, uh, and how did you get involved with it?
1: Through Dustin. I, I've represented Dustin since 20, no, 2015, 2016 kind of his primary, in a general council role, primary outside council. And he had been talking to representatives of, well, it wasn't LIV at the time, but representatives from Saudi, as well as uh, LIV, L-I-V stands for, is 54 in Roman numerals in an organization called Performance 54. Their leadership includes Jed Moore, an outstanding kind of presence in the golf world. From I think it's from England. Uh, so a series of conversations with those folks have been going on for, I think, the better part of the year. And in the summer of, July, of 2021, it ripened uh, to contracts being distributed. And uh, that's when Dustin brought me in to work on it. Phil Mickelson and two other players uh, were involved as founders. So the four lawyers representing those players met with representatives of the Saudi Public Investment Fund, uh, Performance 54, and other related companies about getting this thing off the ground. Been a fantastic, fantastic project. Super excited to be involved in it. I, I love it.
0: Sort of, if you if you could just walk us through the early stages of your engagement with with uh, that group and, and with Dustin. What were they? What was their vision? And what did they? Or, or what is your understanding of their vision? And is it the same as their understand or what they've articulated as their vision for
1: for for the tour? So you know. Things have evolved since then, but kind of painting in, in broad strokes. The concept is that there will be 12 teams of four players, a total of 48. The 12 teams will have principal players who also have an equity interest in the team. They will play, I believe it's a total of 14 tournaments over the course of the season, and will have a championship uh as the 15th tournament there will be individual same as what we're seeing now individual and team competitions uh at each tournament with uh a 25 million dollar purse to be distributed to individual as well as i think individuals will be all 48 players and i think to the top three teams Generally, that's what the structure was.
0: Why teams in golf? Innovation, you said?
1: Yeah, innovation. uh, You know, one of the most exciting times in golf is uh, Ryder Cup and Player uh, President's Cup, where there's team competitions really kind of changes the dynamic of the game, much like what. We were talking about, you know, amateur betting, except these are pros playing for a lot more money, but they can abide by the etiquette of the game even though there's a lot of money on the line. Uh, so they'll have this disruptions that I, I experience. So that was the concept. You know, there were some hiccups in the process between last summer and this summer and they adjusted probably in March the concept to go with a, a shorter period. I think it's eight tournaments this year, 10 next, and still having the team competitions and the individual competitions. But each week or each tournament, there's a new draft. So while Dustin is a principal player, he doesn't play with the same four players each time. And, and that so will who, change once the the concept takes off in in two years.
0: Who are the four principal
1: players? It's Dustin, Dustin, Phil. And the other two haven't been identified, so I'm not going to do it. Okay. Right. I know who they are, right. but yeah, yeah.
0: So you, the tournament basically kicked off what last month or two months ago? Was I guess it's
1: two months way. ago. With Live London, it was. Remarkable in so many respects, not the least of which it must have been a Tuesday. I think the first day was Thursday. They moved it up for some players to travel. I think to it was the PGA Championship. But walking out on the driving range where there's music, you could feel an energy all about the draft kevin nas caddy kenny had come up with some philosophy his own draft board basically uh, on the practice readings for kevin to follow that night at the first draft Uh, kevin did not follow it so at the end during the post-draft party uh, Kenny was threatening to fire Kevin. That <laughs> there's just there's just this level of buy-in that was the only way you can describe it was energy. And Performance Fifty Four is outstanding at staging a golf tournament. The uh, hospitality areas, I mean, it's just they've just done an outstanding job. So it was really a successful inauguration. I think I told their leadership that, you know, if there, if there were scenes in that presentation, they certainly didn't show. It was perfect. That energy, and, and I said at the end of the London tournament, oh man, I, I wonder if y'all are gonna be able to capture that energy, that was something. And then in Portland, the energy actually took on another, another level. And the way that I described it to Taylor Gooch, one of the players, is y'all are sick. Y'all got problems. And he started laughing. He's like, why? I said, man, you could feel the competitive switch go on on the practice range before, you know, the, the, the first day of the tournament. It was really remarkable to the point where I was standing uh, near Dustin, I wasn't sure that he wasn't mad at me <laughs> for existing. I just don't know what, what what what's going on. But he was just dialed in, you know, and it's great golf, great golfers playing great golf. Uh, and the energy is really the thing that is most notable to me about the actual, quote, games. It's extraordinary. So at
0: London and... Portland you had the top you had you had forty eight golfers participating. Is that what you had?
1: Yes. And, and, Both individually
0: and, the, and as as part of teams. As part of teams. Out of the forty eight players, would you say how many are in the top one hundred of, of
1: those? All of them? Not all, but a a substantial number of them are in the top one hundred. I'm not sure what the cut the cutoff is. You know top 50 to 100. i don't know if there are any top 10 players in the league just yet uh i think but dustin has falling out a, of the top 10. Uh, okay. i think he's f- fallen out maybe to 13.
0: so when you look at my v tour as opposed to the pga tour why would a guy decide that he's going to leave the established tour which I guess they've kind of drawn a line in the sand, the PGA tour, that you can't do both uh and go to the LIV tour.
1: For a number of reasons, and you've lived through this, you and I have lived through this. This is this is free agency. You know, a player will choose a different team and free agency in the team sports for a whole collection of reasons. And similarly, uh, players have chosen, with free agency, a new team, LIV, for you know, as many uh, different reasons as players. But what this boils down to is that LIV has offered choice. It's bought free agency to golf. And players have chosen it for any number of reasons. Some of the more popular players um, were presented, you know, both with greater control over their careers. Um, the PGA Tour mandates that a, a member of the Tour plays 15 tournaments, PGA tournaments a year. And even though you are, have either completed or are on track to complete, your 15 mandatory tournaments, you must get permission, a conflicting event release, from the PGA Tour to play on a weekend where the PGA Tour is also staging an event. And I think the PGA Tour has some a tournament 46 or 48 out of the 52 weeks. With the majors the four majors plus the the Players' Championship, a a player knows that they're going to play 20 uh, events a year. It may not seem like a lot to some, but it's a lot for players, especially as life begins to seep in with family, marriages. And there are all sorts of considerations that go, into this you know the pga tour professional golfers are the only professional athletes in america that i know of that actually pay to play the game
0: and what do you mean a by that is they have paid, to pay
1: a fee, to a, a, fee is paid, a fee is paid every year to participate on the tour if you're eligible as part of that Fee. You also payment of the fee. You also grant to the PGA Tour your media rights, which is the worldwide right to record and sell you playing golf at any time in a in a tournament. And there's no like. With group licensing rights in the traditional sports, you'll grant those rights, but then you'll be paid based on the amount of times they use you over the course of the year. That's not the case with the PGA Tour. They take that money and they keep it. In addition, a player pays the cost of travel, lodging, and meals when they fly to participate in a tournament. And usually they get there on Monday or Tuesday of tournament week, rent a house, and a pay player pays a coach, a caddy, a trainer, and perhaps also a physical therapist for their services, but also pays for those, that support team, to fly with the player to the tournament site during tournament week. So players incur a substantial amount of money, expenses, to participate on the PGA Tour. If you don't make the cut in the tournament, you don't make any money. And if you're not high enough on the leaderboard, you don't make enough money to cover your expenses for that week. So it's really an odd, odd business model to be surviving into the 21st century in in American sports there has been you know any number of kind of dust ups between the PGA tour and some one or more players on the tour about this business model and you know the financial ramifications of it the um implications of you giving your granting your media rights in perpetuity and you know any time that you see uh, a highlight of a player playing in a in a manner that is commercially exploiting golf or the player's images you know that's a commercial transaction that generates money but it's not paid to the player paid to the PGA tour now they'll tell you that that money is used to fund purses and i'll tell you that that money is used to fund an expense ratio of 48 percent of what they spend to run their business they don't have what traditional sports have which is the infrastructure and operating costs they don't have a stadium they don't buy build or operate a stadium. They don't buy, build, or operate a practice facility. They don't pay coaches, scouting, and you know, training staffs. Um, they don't buy equipment, and they don't pay players when they're injured. So, I'm not a, a numbers guy, but it's hard for me to understand a 48 percent expense ratio when you don't have those traditional costs of a major sports league yet you have the revenue that you traditionally find in a major sports league broadcast licensing and sponsorship game day revenues and those are kind of roughly the same buckets that are the foundation of the NFL's collective bargaining agreement with the NFLPA. So you have the revenue of a, it mimics a sports league, major sports league with revenue, but it's very unique with respect to infrastructure and operating costs, yet it has such a high expense ratio, the result of which is that a bunch of money isn't passed through to the players. Who spend a bunch of money to remain eligible on the tour? They mandate that you spend that those travel expenses at a minimum for 15 tournaments.
0: You, you've raised a number of points that, that I wanted to ask you about, I don't, and I don't know what it, I don't want to lose the order or the or the flow of the conversation. But I, I'll just strike it. You mentioned the buckets and uh, and you know the the revenue that. PGA generates, or the or, or the sports generate. The, the, the Live Tour currently does not have a network television contract. Do you f- see that as a problem?
1: Not now, but you know, uh, down the road, the Live is is being backed by the Saudi Public Investment Fund, which, you know, I've seen the list of american companies that have accepted substantial investment and it's a page and a half on a spreadsheet and so lib is being funded by the saudi public investment fund so in the short uh, term the absence of a television contract is not a major issue because they have the money to to operate without that revenue, but yeah, I mean, this ultimately is a for-profit commercial exercise, and you know, so you've got to build up the popularity, the eyeballs, the traditional assets that a sports league must have in order to sell broadcast rights. But it's not a problem in the short term.
0: So you you also mentioned. Various things that players are responsible for in the PGA Tour. Are what you then saying is that in the Live Tour, that they are being travel, training, those kind of those kind of expenses that a individual player has to maintain, are they being provided by the by the Live Tour?
1: So the the cost of the service which you pay your coach, caddy personal trainer, and physio. Is still covered by the player. But the travel expenses for your team is covered by lit.
0: Right. I guess we all saw the highlight of the plane trip. I guess it was from London. And it looked like they were having a – we were in a plane?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: looked like I, I, they were having a – Yeah,
1: right. so uh, that, that was the trip, I believe, from um, Portland to Scotland to play in the uh, J.P. McManus uh, Pro-Am. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a no cell phone policy on, <laughs> on the planes going forward. <laughs> <laughs>
0: as as you look at some of the some of the criticism from you know the players that have not joined the Lyft tour. Uh and I guess today uh who who joined Cameron Smith joined?
1: Well, I know but, uh hein- Simpson I know it was announced. Stenson joined.
0: Oh, right. Stenson joined. Right. Stenson joined. But you get to, I mean, I guess the two pushback guys the most have been Tiger and Rory, who have been very critical of the the live tour. And, you know, I guess to some extent you can take for a grain of salt what the two guys that are probably making more money off of the PGA tour than anybody. But their criticism, at least Tiger's criticism, was... What's going to keep guys from working hard if they have this? If there's no cuts, there's guaranteed money and all those things. What do, you, what do, you, do you have a comment about those things?
1: <laughs> Look, I'm not going to take on Tiger Woods on an issue in golf, but you know the NBA, <laughs> Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NHL has certainly survived with large contracts some level of certainty about your position on on the team i i I don't think that these professional athletes need the incentive of you know spending their own money to be good and if they did they probably wouldn't be very good you and i know that professional athletes in any sport are remarkable men or women who are just wired differently than other people and they're competitive to the level of me saying to taylor gooch y'all are sick right but it's the essence of sport across the world and certainly in america that these men and women have a level of commitment to meeting the standard as coach thomas says the standards the standard In a way that is so extraordinary that it's entertaining. I play the same game, but I don't play it like they do. So I I, I disagree that the business model of the PGA Tour is designed to, you know, promote player excellence on the course. It's, you know, it's, it's a relic, and you know. Live has challenged it, and the players who have left have have voted on you know their perception of their their belief that this is the business model to follow. Right? They voted by leaving.
0: So let me ask you. So the other criticism, uh, obviously that you've heard, is you know that this is a league uh, supported by the Saudi government, with has been used as a reason why players should not play in that league what do you say to those criticisms when you have those conversations with your clients what what is the conversation about is, is that raised by them and is there concerned? or i mean you just mentioned that there's a page and a half of american companies that are part of that investment uh but that's a criticism that you hear a lot this is
1: so yes and so first you know Any person's reaction to this is a personal reaction, which I, you know, they're entitled to have. My personal reaction is that I have heartfelt sympathy for Jamal Khashoggi's family and for the 9-11 families. I can't imagine what that void must feel like for those people every day. I can't imagine. And nothing that I do or say is going to change that that heartfelt sympathy that I feel for uh, those families. I, however, disagree that the response necessarily has to be that American golfers have to boycott free agency in golf. I mean, that's not the standard to which we hold professional athletes in America. I also don't agree with the logical extension of the criticism which is Saudi is bad and we should keep it bad. That criticism you know, also bleeds into the use of the term "sports washing." That um, our colleagues from Saudi Arabia are using sports to sports wash its human rights records. And when I hear journalists in the sports industry say it, "I'm, I, I'm, I'm stunned." I could understand why the layman would have that point of view but a journalism journalist in the sports industry that would make that argument demonstrates ignorance of the industry in which they apply their trade. Sports explain, that, started explain in, that explain
0: that right, explain that further. Yeah. Why
1: why you sports wa- yeah. sports, sports washing started in 17 17- 700 A.D. With the first Olympics, nation states in Greece laid down their arms to compete in the Olympics. Sports was used for as a tool for political and cultural engagement. If that sports washing, any sports washing, it makes a difference. But particularly here in America, I don't expect my white colleagues to have the same sensitivity to race as I do as a black man. But the, the fact that I don't expect them to have the same sensitivity doesn't change the facts about race in America generally and race in sports specifically. Sports has been used in America as the tip of the spear in the Civil Rights Movement starting with Jesse Owens, Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown, Bobby Mitchell. The list is seemingly endless, endless. So when you have that Tommy, conversation, Tommy, 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 Smith, and John, John Carlos, sports so when you have changed this American culture. And from Graham McDonald to Sergio Garcia, Taylor, Dustin, Phil, I, I don't, I don't think that I've talked to any player. Louis Oosthuizen, Charles Schwartzel, who hasn't embraced the idea that they can do good with good golf. And we've already seen it. In Saudi in February, we had kind of a loop of drivers that would take us to the course, to a hotel, uh, to an entertainment area. 50% of my drivers were women. I saw women working in the, in, the, in the airport. These are things that didn't happen before. They teach golf as part of the curriculum in elementary school. If sports watching, give me sports watching. The history of sports in the world is that it brings about political and cultural change in a positive way. And to have journalists ignore that is stunning to me.
0: Do you raise that with some of your media friends uh in your discussions and, and what is their response to the points that you have just made
1: well i i i haven't seen anyone drop the canard so i guess they've rejected it but yeah i've spoken to guys and, and on a personal level they agree because i also tell them i don't quite get how you are comfortable looking across the world and talking about human rights violations in Saudi, but you don't look down at your own feet and see that you're standing on the rubble heap of human rights violations in America. When we talk about sports diversity in sports, one of the key areas is the sports media. And a white male looking across from Saudi, demanding a better human rights Practices, while standing on the results of a human rights violation, racism in America. And well, on, you can't believe that only the qual- only qualified writers to cover sports are white. Gotta be all white for some reason, right? You see it in, in all the sports. So again, response to human rights and. Is- necessarily personal, and I think that we can have sympathy for, you know, whether it's Khashoggi's family, the 9-11 families, or other people that have suffered from what we view as human rights viol- have called the human rights violations. You can have sympathy for them and still be engaged in this endeavor. In fact, doing so, you know, might be one of the key catalysts to change.
0: You know what's been interesting, David, and you mentioned the media a little bit. Is it kind of Hawkins back to the beginning? And if you look at football, which both of us are stupid, that tradition and the AFL and the NFL way back before they merged, and the NFL always had a special place and the media sort of diminished the AFL. I would say that that has happened less uh, in, the, in the few years. I think the media has accepted the beginnings of new leagues. It seems to me just from the outside looking in that uh, the, the, the live tour has not gotten the same sort of period of let's see what it is before we say it's no good. Do, do you see that or, you know, it seems like the mainstream media, I hate using that term, uh, has not has not really given them their fair shake. Do you agree or disagree with that?
1: Uh, I, I agree, the uh, Coverage has been, you know, overwhelmingly negative. So, so you know, take um, Brando Chamblee, a very outspoken opponent of the live tour because of the saudi connection that's what he's that's what that's what he's focused on i'm like man you got to be kidding me you better not have ever played a golf tournament or a round of golf at a country club that didn't accept black or jewish members and i bet he has so we, we know we know what Randall was saying and he abused something as an atrocious human rights violation. Because he said it about the Saudis. But he didn't say wit about playing at segregated clubs or playing in Chile. There's a level of hypocrisy that kind of makes me react in a certain way, which is, you know, I'm not trying to convince you of anything, and I'm certainly not asking permission to make the conclusions that I make. But I look at you and see a hypocrite. How many of these media members who are criticizing live in the Saudis, wrote an article about George Floyd? Raise your hand. Social justice, raise your hand. Racial justice, raise your hand. And if nobody's hand went up? If nobody's hand went up, what going to tell you? Take journalists away from their title. These are blabbermouths. They're just flapping their gums.
0: Well, as, as I'm starting to say, is those of us who know David know that he does not hesitate uh, and has not, during this conversation, tell us exactly what is on his mind. Uh, and, and, David, you make some great points there. And... We've seen what happens in American sports uh, when people do take a position. Colin Kaepernick, some of the other athletes that have that have stood up, and whether uh, how they're treated. So, your points are are, are very poignant and uh, worth further discussion by people as they continue to look at that tour and the backing of the Saudi, era, the Saudi government. I think it's uh, an important uh, context that you put that you put it in. Uh, so let me ask you, and in, in, in just as we come to a conclusion in all this, do you see, and, and again, the strategy of upstart leagues, uh, whether it was the XFL, the USFL, uh, is eventually to merge with the more established league? Do you see that? Do you see these two entities, the PGA Tour and the, and the Live Tour, ever getting together to work out a a partnership where they grow golf instead of you know sort of being in a firing squad against
1: each other you know it's, it's difficult to see it now with you know the extent to which the pJ tour has really leaned into its opposition to live and the concept I mentioned innovation earlier and the the, the, the structure of of the live concept is innovative now the pga tour dismissed it as being exhibitions right the tournaments as being exhibitions yet they've already copied it with having you know no cut coming up with announcing that they're going to have some no cut high purse events but they and you know, their leadership and their vocal members have been so vocal and and kind of uh, mean-spirited in their criticism and opposition that I don't know how they get back to a strategic partnership from where they are. I just, I don't think they live with rejected. Um, There's enough space in the golf ecosystem for Live to exist independently of the PGA Tour. But the innovation, the opportunity that the PGA Tour clearly doesn't see, and I think the folks that I know in the LIV group clearly do see, is that, you know, we could have a worldwide golf super bowl imagine that yeah. golf is an uh one of the most popular sports in in asia imagine if we introduced an innovative concept for golf in asia thailand you know but I think the PGA Tour thinks they own golf and the commercial exploitation of it. Well, okay, you don't, and we can do this without you. And so far, Liv has. Do you see
0: Liv, and, and I, I guess something, that they are looking at uh, women's golf, too, as a possible outgrowth? And sort of well, bringing, bringing that concept to the women's game.
1: The Golf Saudi certainly is because it now has an Aramco series, which is a series of uh, golf tournaments in women's golf. And um, they also, Aramco is also the uh, sponsor on the hat for a number of women golfers. You know, I'm not suggesting not pointing my finger, you know, to start criticism of the women golfers, but you don't hear that kind of the criticism about that that you hear about the men men golfers. But golf Saudi is changing the nature of golf in the world and using golf to change the culture in Saudi, which is exactly the way it should work. And you know, those who criticize it. I, I'm, I'm not going to lump the families in because you know I don't know their pain, and but I can imagine that, and, and I'll, I, I'll acknowledge that if their pain is understandably enough for them to you know put a stick in the in the ground to you know cast and cement their position, I respect that. I understand, but you know. Whether it's the PGA Tour or the media, you know, it's just okay. You know, I don't, I don't think because you have a position, I don't mean that I can't disagree with it. And I certainly don't need your permission to have my own position, which is y- y- y'all are missing the boat. This is exactly what should be happening in sports. It's happened in the four major sports in America already. What role? The PDA Tour should be saying, we're, we're glad we got into this century with this business model. We knew it was going to be time for change at some point. But that's not going to happen. What,
0: what role, David, would you, like to, would you like to play in this evolvement? Uh, as, a, as, now, as, as you've said, I've heard you say it, now that you're a golf lawyer.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know obviously you know you cut you cut me i believe player uh, so i'm enjoying the involvement that i have with i guess i represent 10 players on the live tour and um a total of 12 professional golfers two are on the pga tour um, so I enjoy that. I don't know, you know, how that ripens in the future, but I certainly want to stay involved on the player side. Uh, and one thing that you'll be stunned to learn is that, you know, golf agents, unlike agents in leash football, basketball, and, and baseball are able to recognize that, you know, they have more common interests than adverse interests. The only thing they compete on are representing players. After that, all their interests are common. So we've had some very productive meetings with uh, agents as a group and making sure, you know, players' interests remain the focus and we continue to work to protect their interests. The other thing is, you know, you mentioned it early, the Alliance of American Football, you know, that whetted my appetite for league administration. I think I told you, I said to the Commissioner, to Rogers, Commissioner Goodell, um, I not know I knew this much football. But, you know, I have a good grasp, I think, on league administration, the connected tissue. So I've worked with, you know, the live lawyer and, you know, no, 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 you want to put to protect the integrity of the game and in your, you know, operating documents, you know, those type of things. So I enjoy that part too. But, you know. Well,
0: David, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was just going to say, you know, one of the, I think, the greatest features of my career is, you know, I've been blessed to do what I like doing without necessarily falling into the structure of anything. And this kind of mirrors that. So I like those two things. So I'll, I think I'll figure out a way to be involved with it.
0: Your career has, you know, really been a, a, to- a total career. It's been one that's touched players, leagues, individuals, entities, and, and you've been successful in all of those. And as I said, David and I have known each other for over 20. 20- We've served, uh, we've worked on a number of projects together, uh, served on the uh, Sports Lawyers Association together, and I consider him a good friend and a very, very smart lawyer who uh, continues to make an impact on things, all things sports and the law. So, David, I want to thank you very much for joining us. I think you have uh, raised some unbelievably uh, interesting topics and, and ways to look at it. I hope our listeners uh, get a chance to, and take the time to listen to it and, and think critically about what you said instead of just, you know, something that I disagree with. So thank you, David, for, and, and to our uh, audience for listening uh, to this podcast and hope you've enjoyed some of the other programs. If there are other subjects you'd like to hear us discuss, let us know. You can provide your feedback by uh, going to Apple Podcasts And going to the ratings and view section for our podcast. And if you're listening to Stitcher.com, go to Stitcher, go to Stitcher.com. Again, thank you, David. Thank you very much. Uh, We'll be in touch. My pleasure. Great to be with you. Again, the comments, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not express
1: the views or opinions of a law firm of thompson Coburn LLP or its partners and attorneys.